This morning, we're going to turn to God's word, and we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And if you want to turn there, we'll get there in just a moment. But we are in a series called Body Language, where we're walking through the book of 1 Corinthians, a letter that Paul wrote to this church. And not to say that we preach through that book, but to take our time and go through it very intentionally to see what it has to say to us today. And as we get into chapter two, if you'll allow me to take just a moment and recap some of the things that we've covered in chapter one, because I think it really sets a foundation for what Paul says here at the beginning of chapter two. If you were with us when we kicked it off, uh, the church in Corinth was described this way. It was described as being a diverse culture because of its geographical location along trade routes. There were a lot of different nationalities present in the city of Corinth, so it was very diverse. It was very educated. Uh, the culture there was about uh, reason and thought and they would get together and philosophize over things. So it was an educated community and it was also an affluent community. They had a lot of material wealth, again, because of the high trade that happened. And as pastor shared those three things, that it was a diverse, educated, affluent community, I sat in my chair here on Sunday morning and I thought, is he talking about State College? Because if you look around, even in this church, there's a lot of diversity. There really is. There's a lot of educated people, and it's, a, and it's America, and we're not all rich, but we are all blessed. And so you could say that the description of the church in Corinth was very much like our church here today, with the diversity, the education, and, and the blessings that we have. He went on to say that that church in Corinth also had too much of the culture in the church. And that is a trend that exists worldwide. There are aspects of our American culture that exist in the American church. And dealing with the, the college students at Penn State, uh, I get to hear about things that are going on in churches all around the world. And it's not uncommon for me to hear stories of what we call, what I would call cultural Christianity, where they're describing things that are happening in their churches in other countries, but they're, the culture of that community at times will take precedence over scripture. And so this idea that there's too much of the culture in the church, it exists everywhere. And so it's something that Paul felt a need to address with this letter. So regardless of the fact that it was written 2,000 years ago, I believe that there are things in here that directly apply to us today. Pastor Steve went on to talk about some of the, the thesis statements in chapter one, and he said that this is God's church. In verse two of chapter one, he addresses to God's church in Corinth. The emphasis is that it's God's church. It just happens to be in the city of Corinth. And in verse 10 of that same chapter, he says that this church is under the authority of Jesus Christ. Again, but it just happened to be in Corinth. So for us today, this is God's church, and it is under the authority of Jesus Christ. We just happen to be in state college. So this is very much, I think we could look at this and say, this, is, this could be written to us today. He goes on in the latter half of chapter one to begin to talk about God's wisdom. Last week, specifically, Pastor pulled out three different uh, points that I, I wrote down in regarding God's wisdom. One was that God's wisdom is always better than our wisdom. And if we personalize it, we say God's wisdom is always better than my wisdom. We said that God's wisdom means it has to be God's way. Our walk with God isn't conditional on the things that we want. We've gotta do it according to God's terms. And that if we do that, if all those things are happening, then God's wisdom will lead us to a new perspective on things. 
So in a diverse, affluent, and educated community, God, God actually called some people to, to confound that. He, he found some simple people. He found the people that the, that culture might have set aside, and he said, I want you to go impact that community. So the goal is that we completely rely on Jesus Christ as we do this. It was very counterculture in the city of Corinth. So today, that brings us to the beginning of chapter two, and I'd like to open up by reading those first five verses with that as our background. So 1 Corinthians chapter two, beginning in first one, verse one. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Paul uses some some interesting teaching techniques and he will frequently argue both sides of a human argument in order to show that God is really doing something different. And in here he's setting aside, he's saying I'm gonna set aside all earthly wisdom in order to illustrate a point. And he will continue on later in chapter two to talk about when is the appropriate time to use the wisdom that he has and Paul had a lot of wisdom. But really, it's all about the wisdom of God. Paul's suggesting that that man's wisdom should be laid aside for the sake of this simple message. He's gonna leave out impressive language. He's simply gonna focus on Jesus and the cross. He's not going to use his own strength. He's going to trust only in the power of the Holy Spirit so that our trust would be completely on God, so very counterculture to the city of Corinth. So a couple of things that we can take away from this short passage this morning is is Paul saying we're gonna keep it very simple, but in that I think there are some very significant things that we can apply to ourselves today. And the first reminder, the first takeaway is that it's the simple message of the cross. The simple message of the cross. Back in verse one he said this, when I first came to you dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan wasn't going to pull out anything uh, that would catch their attention, any crafty sayings. He was gonna keep it very simple. Don't lose the simple message of the cross. It makes me think of Billy Graham, and if you go back and listen to messages by that great evangelist, his messages were always focused on the cross. And he was known for leading many people to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ because he kept the message very simple. In its simplicity though, there's a lot to it. I'm not saying it's a one word answer. There's a whole lot behind the message of the cross, but we need to keep that foundation of that simple message. It would be like a a coach telling his team, this is how we're gonna win the game. We're gonna score more points than the other team. Well, that's the simple answer. There's a strategy and there are different techniques that we can use, but that simple message is, that's what the goal is, is to score more points than the other team. Well, the simple message of the cross is the answer to a lot of our problems and a lot of what's going on in the world does point back to the cross. And if we forget that foundation, that simple message of the cross, we might actually do more harm than good. We've gotta keep that uh, uh, focus. 
I, um, many of you know, in college I studied mathematics. And uh, why, I'm not quite sure, but I count myself blessed for having done that. Um, in, early on in college, a lot of the math classes I was taking I was taking with a lot of other majors. The engineers were in all my math classes and I finished those foundational math classes and uh, I was taking the first math class that was specific to math majors. So like in a class of several hundred taking calculus and then the engineers went a different direction and 10 of us were left in these math classes. And I remember a specific class, the first one for the math majors was Math 302, Introduction to Advanced Mathematical Thinking. Anyone want to sign up? (laughs) A moment of transparency, a moment of honesty, I failed that class, which is not good if you're going to be a math major to fail the introductory class. There was more I could have done. I I will admit that. But I'm also going to share the other side of that, that it was quite obvious that the professor teaching that class thought very highly of himself. And he knew a lot, he was a brilliant man, he had his PhD in mathematics, but in accumulating all of that knowledge, I think he failed to remember what it was like to talk to people who didn't know what he was talking about. (laughs) And I was not the only one to fail that class, a lot of us failed that class. And I do look back to his inability, perhaps, to convey those simple things to us so that we could understand and get to where he was at. And so when it comes to the simple message of the cross, we have to remember to bring it back to those simple things and to be able to communicate it clearly so that we don't leave anyone behind. Now again, I I said the simple message of the cross, but there's so much that we benefit because of that. Because of the death of Jesus on the cross, it points to all of these different things. It points to a cleansing from our sin. The cross says that we are accepted and we are reconciled to God. We have peace with God. We are justified before God. We're redeemed, we're delivered from death, we're delivered from condemnation, from the curse of the law, from judgment and wrath that are going to be coming. We're delivered from this present evil, there is healing. And all of this is available into the cross, but it's got to start there. Another benefit of the cross, I believe, is that the cross points us towards genuine worship, towards genuine worship. Worship cannot be about what we get. That cannot be the focus. Now, in worship, we see amazing things happen. And we sing about them and that's okay. We sing about healing and joy and renewing of the mind. But that's not why we worship. We can't come in here on a Sunday morning saying, I hope I get this. I hope I receive a word of prophecy. I hope there's something for me. We come into worship simply because of who he is and what he did on the cross. That's that simple foundation. It's at God's discretion that he chooses to pour out those blessings. And I believe we should see them, but that can't be our focus. So when we go back to that simple message of the cross, it reminds us of why we gather on Sunday morning, who we're worshiping. That's that's the direction. We don't wanna risk losing any of that when we lose sight of that simple message of the cross. We don't wanna get in the way of people hearing that message. Because a lot of times people will witness by trying to put the discipleship first. Let me tell you about Jesus, you have to come to this particular denomination of church. 
Or let me tell you about Jesus, but you have to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you about Jesus, but you gotta get on board with tithing. Those are all discipleship things that, that will happen to someone who genuinely puts their faith in Jesus Christ, who genuinely recognizes what the cross is, but if we're not careful, those things can then become a hurdle to people actually coming to Jesus. One of the, uh, another benefit of the cross and that keeping that message simple is it allows room for questions and it generates conversation which is really relationship. When we keep that message simple, people are gonna ask questions because it doesn't really make sense. And we saw that in chapter one, God's wisdom is, is foolishness to men, we don't comprehend it. So if we start with that simple message, I believe that people are gonna to wanna to know more. They're gonna to begin to ask questions and that generates relationship and conversation where I think people truly get introduced to who Christ is. Because let me say this, we may have a lot of wisdom and we may think we may, can answer a lot of questions, but you're never, going to impress, you're never going to impress someone into the kingdom of God with how much you know. You're never going to lead someone to a genuine relationship with Christ if you're attacking a part of their faith that doesn't, might not line up with scripture. You're not gonna debate anybody into the kingdom of God. Knowledge is good, but wisdom says that we have to know when to use it and when not to. And Paul recognized that when he first came to Corinth. He said, I need to lay this aside in order to really get their attention. He kept the simple message of the cross. Here's another point that I, I get out of this passage, and that's the decisive message of the cross. In verse two, it says, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who is crucified. That's that element that for Paul was decisive. That's the non-negotiable, Jesus Christ and the fact that he was crucified. It wasn't about Paul, it wasn't about human reason, it wasn't about what all the things that Corinth valued. Paul says it's not about any of that. It's this simple and decisive message that points to the cross of Jesus. The church really needs to be built on that one thing. Nothing else, nothing else. And, and Paul referenced that back in chapter one. He said, I'm, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you except for the, he had a couple, but he said, I'm glad you aren't arguing about I was baptized by Paul or I was baptized by another individual. He says, the decisive answer is it's gotta be about the cross. And if you think about us as a church, Pastor David mentioned the moving forward class. I, got, I get to teach the first week of that class from time to time. And some of the things that we cover in that are our core values of a church, as a church, the things that are important to us, but also the foundation, our doctrine. And in that doctrine, we cover something that we call the ordinances of the church. And the ordinances of the church are the things that the early church practiced repeatedly. The early church did a lot of things, but the things that, there are two things that they did over and over and over again. These aren't traditions of men, this is what the church did. And so we hold to them today, and those two ordinances are communion and baptism. Communion and baptism, and those two things are signs, signs that point to something greater than themselves. So it isn't about us having communion, or it isn't about going through the motions of baptism, it's what do those two signs point to? And they both point back to Jesus and they both point back to the cross. They both have their ties in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And that's very definitive, it's very decisive. We've, this is the foundation, those things. And our relationship with God is completely depend upon, dependent upon it. Paul said to the letter in Colossians 3.3 about his, his identity had to be completely hidden in Jesus Christ. That was the important thing. Because the truth is, I, I had a student ask a question. We were going through a series uh, on campus, Chi Alpha, where I gave them an opportunity to ask different questions. And they wanted, they wanted me to bring some clarity to the fact that the Old Testament paints a picture of a God that, that demonstrates wrath, but the New Testament, God is all love. And I said, no, you've gotta see the big picture. God's wrath is still there, but in his love, he sent his son so that if our lives were truly hidden in him, we would have that covering. That's why it's so, so important. We need to not only understand that that's a, a very definitive point, the message of the cross, but we need to know how to share that. We need to know how to share salvation from a biblical foundation. And I would encourage you to, to practice sharing that, but not so that you can impress someone with your eloquence, but that's so that your own words can get out of the way so that that simple, decisive message can be heard. I recently went through a book called Talk Like Ted. Anyone ever heard of TED Talks? They're technical education talks. And there's a one main annual conference, but lots of little ones where people can come up and, and have a, a window of time to speak on an important topic. And this one author went through some of the best TED Talks and said, what are the, the keys to presenting something the best way? That TED Talk, you get 17 minutes. And on average, the best TED Talks have 200 hours of preparation for those 17 minutes. Let me tell you two things. One, I do not have 200 hours of preparation to this sermon. <laughs> and I will not be done in 17 minutes. <laughs> but the goal was not to impress you. The goal is how can I communicate effectively to get out of the way so that that simple, important message of the cross can be heard, that I can share it clearly. I wanna, I wanna be able to do that. And whether you use the Romans road, which personally I never learned, uh, or, or another way that you have. And I'm so thankful to that first pastor I sat under when I was in college, Pastor Perry Kelleveg, and he had us sit down on a Wednesday night and practice sharing with one another so that we could communicate this very important message very simply. And we, we use this method that God had a plan, and his plan was for us to have life abundantly, which we see in John chapter 10. But we had a problem that we fell short of God's standard and that there was a punishment for that, which we see in Romans 3 and Romans 6. So God instituted a fix, John 3, 16, that he was gonna send his son to fix that problem so we could have that restored relationship with God and have that abundant life that's talked about in scripture. But then we have a response, and that's that Jesus is standing at the door and knocking. We read that in Revelation 3, and anyone who invites him in will have that restored relationship. And then back to Romans that anyone who confesses and proclaims this is, has that restored relationship with God. And I hope, I hope you can point someone to Christ using scripture so that they can see the truth of God's word. I think it's important for us to be able to do that. 
In just a couple, uh, several days before we got in the moving truck to drive from Washington State to State College, uh, I had a knock on the door. And it was a, a person from a particular uh, religious group, and he wanted to share something with me. And I, I, I enjoy those conversations. And so I, we have a couple of Adirondack chairs, and, and we just, we began to talk. And I began to realize as time was going on, I needed to get back to packing and taking care of my family. And so I was able to look this gentleman in the eyes, and I said, I said this, I say, hey, listen, in a couple of days, me and my family are gonna get in the car, and we're gonna drive across the country, and you and I are never gonna see each other again. What is the one thing that you have to say to me? And in that moment, he stumbled. And I said, sir, you need to be able to communicate. You need to decisively say that our, our relationship with God is broken, and the only restoration that is the person of Jesus Christ. We've gotta be able to share it. We've gotta know it. We've got to share it. We've got those reminders that our faith is built on that with communion and baptism. One more thing I would like to pull out of this passage is that we need to rely completely on the message of the cross. We need to rely completely on the message of the cross. Verses three and four. Again, he says, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. Regardless of what our resume looks like, our faith and our foundation is really rests on Jesus and the cross. We may have personal weaknesses, we may have things that cause us to be timid at times, but we can have great confidence in the power of the Holy Spirit. Too often, uh, we can get to the point where we replace the power of the Holy Spirit with anything, any skill that we've developed, any power that we think we might have, and there is no comparison to what we have to offer versus what the Holy Spirit has to offer. And I believe when we look at the cross, that there's a direct correlation from the cross to the power of the Holy Spirit because it was through the, the sacrificial death of Jesus, his resurrection and his ultimate ascension into heaven that opened the door for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on us. So when we rely completely on the message of the cross, we recognize that that was the key to the Holy Spirit being poured out, not just so that we could speak in tongues, but that we could have power to share this message with the people that we meet and interact with. Paul does a great job of, uh, again, talking about different aspects of wisdom, here where he set aside his wisdom. Later on in the chapter, we'll talk about when is the appropriate time to apply the wisdom that he does have, but our, our focus really has to be on, it, it, on the wisdom of God. And I go back to uh, chapter one, verse 18. He says this, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but for we who are being saved, no, it is the very power of God. That's that simple message of the cross. So if you'll allow me to wrap up this way, our mindset, and we talk about a renewing of our mind that God can do, our wisdom really needs to be anchored in Jesus and that simple message of the cross. Even in our personal weaknesses, even in the areas that we know we struggle, I, I, I might have a difficult time speaking publicly, I might have a difficult time, whatever it may be. We need to be continually reminded that wherever we go, we walk in the power and the authority of the kingdom of God, and we take, we take that with us everywhere we go. That's where our focus needs to be. 
Even in the personal weaknesses, we can rely on God. And Pastor Steve referenced the, last week the spirit of this age, the attitude of our current culture that we don't want to invade our church. And that is the, the default of going back to, I need to accumulate wisdom. I need to get to a point where I can, I, I, I. No, that's not where it needs to be. We need to go back to that simple, decisive, powerful message. And we have to choose to make that shift to not allow ourselves get in the way of this powerful message. As a staff, as a group of pastors, we're going through a book called uh, Building Below the Waterline by author Gordon MacDonald. And he has a couple of quotes that I think speak to this simple message that I would like to share with you. The first one, he's talking about maintaining our spiritual center. As believers, we know those regular disciplines that we're supposed to be practicing, our time of prayer, our time in the word, our times of worship. And while we know that we're supposed to do that, we don't always carve out the time to make sure that happens. We go back to studying, we go back to gathering uh, wisdom or knowledge on our own, and he says this, what results in the accumulation of knowledge without wisdom, you get leaders, or I would say even you get Christians who operate on charisma instead of spiritual power. Later on in that same book, he quoted another individual It says this, and again, he's, he's addressing Christian leaders but I believe it applies to all of us. He says, the way of the Christian leader is not the way of upward mobility in which the world has invested so much, but the way of downward mobility ending at the cross. So we need to understand, we need to go after that wisdom of God. We need to keep our wisdom in perspective in all of that. We need to run on the power of the Holy Spirit It doesn't mean we don't have a part to do, but but we rely on that power of the Holy Spirit as we go out doing what we've been called to do. And I believe there's much growth that can happen in that simple message of the cross. So this morning, if you would join me standing, I wanna close with a couple of ways that we can respond to this short passage about the simple message of the cross. And the first one is this, is to not assume that everyone in this room has that restored relationship with God. God had this plan, this wonderful plan for us to have an abundant life. But we, we fell short of that, and there's a penalty for that. So God sent his son to fix that, and we have to respond. And we respond by allowing Jesus into our lives, by recognizing that's who he is. And so if you're here this morning and you've been exploring Christianity and wanting to learn more, let me, let me encourage you to learn the simple message of the cross and make that decision to bow down at it, to put Jesus as Lord of your life and then allow him in his wisdom to begin to answer all those questions that you have. That's you this morning, that's, that's a conversation you can have with God right where you're standing. And in a moment when we open the altars, you may wanna just come down here and, and, and take a few moments and settle that issue with God. I would love to, love to share with you afterwards or at least hear that you've made that decision. But for the rest of us this, this morning, maybe at times you feel like you've wandered from that simple message, I would encourage you to do like Mary did and just spend some time at the feet of Jesus. 
Maybe just spend a few moments at the altar, spend a few moments in your seat before you walk out the door, going back to that simple foundation. This morning, if you struggle, you think you would have a difficult time pulling out verses to walk people into that relationship with Jesus Christ, take a few moments to commit to going after that this week. Or maybe even pray about a specific opportunity that you would have to share with someone this week. And if you're tired from trying to do things in your own strength, know that when we rest in the simple message of the, of the cross, the power of the Holy Spirit comes in and can do incredible things in and through us. The final way you might be, want to respond this morning is to begin to measure other areas of your lives against the cross. What I do with my spare time, how does that measure to the cross? The decisions I make for entertainment, how does that stack up against the simple message of the cross? The things that I choose to fill up my calendar with, how does that fit with the simple message of the cross? So I'm gonna pray and if any of these things have, have caused you to wanna spend some time with God, you can do it at your seat. You can do it at the altar here. The worship team's going to uh, lead us in a chorus. And you can just begin to make those, make those things right with that simple message. So the worship team will, uh, will begin to lead and I'm gonna come back and close the service. But God, as people begin to make their way forward, Lord, I pray that we would rest wholly and completely in the simple message of the cross.